Fans, welcome to The Scoop, the official podcast of Field Hockey Canada. My name is Shahid Devji, and I will be your host. I'm the communication manager of Field Hockey Canada. And I just wanted to say right off the bat here, you heard me say hockey fans, but I want to stop you right now if you're expecting ice hockey, because if you're in Canada, you probably are in the majority. You probably are expecting a podcast about ice hockey. This is not your podcast. This is a podcast about Canada's other hockey, which around the world, surprisingly as it may sound, is also called hockey. Here in Canada, of course, we have two of them. We have ice hockey and field hockey. And Field Hockey Canada, of course, the official and national sporting organization for everything field hockey in this country. So this podcast is going to be a monthly podcast, and it's going to delve into everything uh, with relation to Hockey in Canada. I say hockey again, but I do mean field hockey in Canada with a focus on the national teams, the hockey at the highest level. Uh, But there is more than just the national teams when it comes to hockey in this country. There are the senior national teams. There are the senior development squads. There are the junior development squads. There's also a master's hockey program that was recently launched by Field Hockey Canada, and that allows people who have played hockey all their lives or maybe people who are just interested in starting to have a chance to continue to represent Canada or represent Canada for the first time at uh, an overage category. So that's the Masters program and there'll be news about the Masters program coming up uh, in in coming weeks and coming months with the next World Cup coming up in Spain next year. And so we're going to focus on everything and anything when it comes to field hockey in Canada. There's, of course, provincial programs all across the country and national championships with youth as well. So lots to talk about. And before we get into the show, I just want to mention where you can follow everything with regards to Field Hockey Canada. It's online, of course, at fieldhockey.ca on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I'll give you the links right now, but I'll also give you the uh, links again at the end of the show so you have ample opportunity to go follow everything that's happening fieldhockey.ca on twitter it's at fieldhockeycan on instagram at fieldhockeycan facebook search fieldhockeycanada and of course any questions comments or suggestions for us please feel free to email us at communications at fieldhockey.ca so what to expect on The Scoop, this show here. Uh, the Scoop is a, I think, cleverly named show because obviously there, maybe maybe it's not obvious. Maybe I didn't turn you away when I said this is not about ice hockey and maybe you actually don't know uh, what a scoop is in field hockey. It's a way to raise the ball very high and scoop it over top of everyone else on the field and, and find a, another one of your teammates you know, in a different area. Simply a scoop or an aerial as it might more commonly be known as these days. So what the show is about is, like I mentioned, talking about anything and everything hockey in Canada. But more specifically, we're going to break the show down every month into three segments. What's new to start the show, to give you updates on what's relevant uh, with the national teams specifically, but then also what is more far-reaching across the country and maybe of interest to hockey fans and hockey players. Followed by the feature interview, which will be the bulk of the show. It will be an interview with you know, somebody different, or maybe two people like we have on the show today, uh, talking about uh, something related to hockey. And then finally, we'll talk about what's ahead, what to expect in the coming month before the next episode. 
So everything referenced in the show will also be linked on a page at fieldhockey.ca. We'll call it the show notes, but basically anytime a new podcast is published, there will be a a blog post or article on fieldhockey.ca with the outline of the show, the link to where you can listen to it, and also anything we mention here, links to those, uh, whether they're on the fieldhockey.ca website or otherwise. Lastly, before we actually get into the content here, um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. That's another way where you can listen to us and you can get notified right on your phone if you have an iPhone or on your computers with iTunes, but you can also just listen to it at fieldhockey.ca. So without further ado, let's get right into what we're here for and that's talking hockey. So we'll start off with what's new and we'll start off with the men's national team. So the World League semifinals, or maybe more commonly known as World League Round 3, take place in London, England from June 15th to 26th, and Canada's men will be there. Uh, This is a tournament that is focused on World Cup qualification, on 2018 World Cup qualification. And so there are two World League semifinals, and that's why they're called the semifinals. Two World League Round 3 events. Canada is playing in London. There's an, another one going on later in July in Johannesburg, South Africa. And the top five teams from each of those World League semifinals qualify for the World Cup next year. The World Cup is in India next year. And then you also have host India that will automatically qualify. And then the continental champions. So if Canada doesn't qualify by placing top five in London in June. Uh, They do have a second chance to qualify for the 2018 World Cup by winning their Continental Championship, which is the Pan American Cup, and that will be taking place uh, in the first couple weeks of August in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at the Spooky Nook Sports Facility. So two shots for Canada's men to qualify for the 2018 Men's World Cup. And obviously Canada's women have a shot in Pennsylvania as well. We'll get to that in a little bit. But back to the men, they open the World League semifinal not on the first day of competition on June 15th. It's actually on June 16th versus Pakistan. Uh, They have three games following that. A game against India on June 17th, against the Netherlands on the 19th, and Scotland on the 20th. And what they need to do is they need to get themselves into a quarterfinal and it is... You know, widely believe that if you win one game, you're you're going to get into that quarterfinal round and then have a good shot to finish top five in that tournament. So Canada will look, will likely be looking to win games against Pakistan and Scotland. Those are teams that they are the most closely uh, ranked with. Uh, Pakistan 13th in the world, Canada 11th right now. Uh, they last played at the uh, the 2016 Sultan Aslan Shah Cup in Malaysia and and played two closely contested matches Uh, and then there's Scotland which is ranked uh, a little bit lower but one of the quickest rising teams uh, internationally on the men's side right now after World League Round 2 and uh, they've jumped four spots from 27th to 23rd so not a team to take lightly and Canada's men will finish off the round robin on June 20th against Scotland. Uh, That game against India is also interesting because the Canadian men faced India at the Olympic Games in Rio, Brazil last summer, and they tied, which was then the fifth-ranked team in the world, and that was their best game at the Olympics. It was a game which, you know, had a lot of pride on it. For sure, nothing to lose for Canada there, but um, except pride, and they they showed really well, uh, and that was, you know, their best showing at the Olympic Games. So they will have belief that they can maybe pick up a point there against India again. And then the Netherlands, uh, one of the top 
ranked teams in the world, currently sitting in fourth overall, India in sixth. But the Netherlands um, maybe hit or miss against Canada. I, I think Canada matches up quite well. Uh, we saw it at the World League Finals in 2015 that Canada... Uh, you know, held their own against the Dutch. And uh, the Canadian men probably thinking they can be in every one of these games here, move on to the quarterfinal, and then looking for a top five finish and a World Cup qualification. But uh, before they end up in London, the Canadian men, it was recently announced, will be uh, in France to play a few prep games to get ready for World League Round 3. Those games are June 4th, 5th, and 7th. Uh, the first one is in Le Toquet, France, and the next two in Watigny, France. Both towns or cities close to Lille, and uh, those games are at 3, 6, and 6 p.m. Good test matches against a nation that Canada knows well. They faced them in the, the not the previous World League Round 2, but the one before that. Uh, it, was, it was a close game that Canada dropped 3-2, and there's a history there between these two teams. And uh, a couple guys on this Canadian team, which is not announced yet, but will like, likely be next week. And um, a couple guys that will likely be on that roster will have you know vivid memories of that, uh, that last game against France. So a way for Canada to get ready for England against an opponent that uh, they have a little bit of history against. That's again, again, it's June 4th, 5th, and 7th against France, and then Canada will be off to London for their first game against Pakistan. So that's where the men's national team are at uh, moving forward. Currently, they're just training in Vancouver. Uh, and one of the guys is doing a little bit more than just training in Vancouver. Hudson Stewart, he's got a lot going on. Not only is he training full-time with Canada's men, but he's got a new hobby of modeling. Let's hear a little bit from Hudson about how that came about. Well, it all started last, I guess, September. Uh, just like the restaurant I work at, everyone's in a different stage of life, doing acting, doing school, and everyone's really supportive of one another. And like, you know, oh yeah, I think you should do this and you should do that. And it's kind of suggested that, oh, why don't you try it? You know, you're tall and, you know. So one week I submitted some photos to a few agencies in town just to see, you know, what was going on. And I heard back from one, and I met with uh, the agent a week later, and that day he had got an email regarding Vancouver Fashion Week. And uh, so he took a couple snapshots of me and sent my photo to the organizers at Van Fashion Week, and he heard back later that day that, that you know they wanted me to be in a show for the next week. So from starting from absolutely nothing, two weeks later I walked to show in Vancouver Fashion Week, and I had so much fun, and I was like, yeah, I really want to you know like pursue this a little more, and uh, have a little fun with it. So after that first show at the Vancouver Fashion Week, Hudson has booked a few more gigs, uh, and he continues to. He's enjoying it, as you heard, and uh, it's something that he seems like he's been doing for years. For more on that, you can head to fieldhockey.ca, and there's a full article with more of Hudson's thoughts and some pretty pretty good-looking pictures, I'll have to say so myself. All right, let's move on to the women's national team, and they're back to training after hosting World League Round 2 in West Vancouver. Uh, and their training started off with a kind of a unique situation here in that they had a goalkeeper's camp that was happening at the same time. A goalkeeper's camp that was open invite but selection only. Open application but selection only. So um, goaltenders from across, across the country were able to apply to be trained for a week by the national coaches, assessed, given feedback. 
But they also had the opportunity to train with the women's national team. And there were uh, a few goalkeepers that did get selected. Hillary Neeb was one of them. She's a University of Waterloo Warriors goaltender who plays in what was formerly known as the CIS, and which is now known as U Sports. Uh, and she's had a long and successful career with the University of Waterloo. But she also felt like she had maybe reached a ceiling in her ability as a goaltender and was looking for more training. And that's why she wanted to come to this camp. She was selected. She got that training and she thought it was a a wonderful experience for her. Here's a little bit of what Hillary thought in terms of the skill level compared to what she was used to at the university level. It's much different. It's every player can hit fast and hard and accurate and they have a much more higher range of shots that they can perform and really good stick handling out on out in Ontario we play on turf a lot so it's a lot different out there and it's more definitely more consistent with their shots and the speed of everything it's much faster but it makes you faster as a goalie and you make and you learn fast and you're forced to <laughs> just get behind the ball and try to make as many stops as you can so they had a few on-field sessions just goalkeepers and coaches and then on the last day they got to train with the national team Three goalkeepers were shadowing senior national team goalkeepers, Caitlin Rocky Williams and Rowan Harris. And that was uh, an experience that uh, maybe a little bit of a bonus there. Not only do you get the instruction from the coaches at the national level level for an entire week, but you also uh, get to really get in there with the national level players and, and take some shots and some drills. And then being able to look at what the national level goalkeepers themselves are doing is is another learning experience in itself. And of course, more on that at fieldhockey.ca as well. Also on the women's side, uh, some news from veteran defender Danielle Hennig. Hennig was chosen recently as a champion for the Game Plan Program. Now, the Game Plan Program is a partnership between the COC and Sport Canada and the Canadian Paralympic Committee as well. And that's it, it's a program that aims to train and help elite-level athletes in this country, ones that represent Canada, to succeed not only on the field, but off the field as well. And that's mentally, that's career-wise, that's with networking, that's with professional skills. And and it's something that uh, you can understand is really important for an elite athlete because they spend so much of their time focused on their sport that maybe they don't have as much time as they would like to focus their own energies on other parts of their lives. And so this program helps them do that. And Danielle was named as a champion in this area in Western Canada to be an ambassador for the program to get the message out there about what it can do. And it's quite fitting that she herself was chosen as an ambassador because she has used these services for herself and and sees maybe a little bit of a gap even within her own program. And that's what she hopes to uh, apply. Let's hear from her. When I first came into the team, there was like lots of things that I didn't know about like what we had access to and like ways that you could find help Um, and so yeah if I can do that a little bit and promote the program even within our own field hockey community um, within the national team and then maybe if yeah some other athletes it's beneficial for them too that's great. So that's what's new you can take a look at the show notes for links to the articles that I mentioned here but there's also more articles that have been published already and more that will come in the future. So fieldhockey.ca and all the social channels for that. Finally, before we get to the feature interview, a word from Field Hockey Canada partner and sponsor Griffin Hockey. Griffin Canada is pleased to offer all Field Hockey Canada members a 15% discount on all 2017 Taboo and Tour Range sticks 
Aero G4 turf shoes and Big Mo backpacks during the month of May and you get free shipping. If you're interested, you can contact Steve Davis by email at steve at fieldhockeyshack.com or you can call him at 604-800-5279. On now to this episode's feature interview and today we meet one of the many sibling combinations within Canada's national field hockey ranks. Suki and Balraj Panazar are from Surrey, British Columbia and have been playing field hockey for most of their lives having watched their dad play club hockey growing up and being a part of a vibrant hockey community in their hometown. And now they're becoming an increasingly important part of Canada's senior men's team. 23-year-old Suki is coming off his first Olympic Games at the 2016 Games in Rio, Brazil. And 21-year-old Balraj has played in two Junior World Cups and has recently joined the senior national team full-time. The Panazar brothers have already accomplished a lot, but they're not done yet. I guess so the first question I want to ask you guys is who's the better hockey player? Go. Definitely me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's Balraj, by uh, the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, Suki, what do you have to say about that? Uh, right now, I don't know if I'd agree with that, but maybe in a few years. We'll see. Yeah, I was talking to you a couple months ago before the Olympics, and uh, you you mentioned that he has the potential. Balraj has the potential of being a better hockey player than you. Why do you say that? Um. I don't know. I don't know if there's any reason in particular, but um, just being a younger brother, I guess, uh, you see it in sports all the time. The youngest sibling always somehow turns out to be a bit better. Yeah. I don't know whether it's just they just, I don't know, kind of get uh, get to share experiences with you and stuff or just uh, feed off you or, or learn from you and stuff like that. Yeah, as an older brother, I take credit for a lot of my younger brother's successes too. So I, I see what you're doing there. What was like... Uh, what was life like growing up in the in the Panasar household? Was it all about sports all the time with, with you guys? Uh, yeah, we started uh, at a really young age just because uh, with our dad, he was uh, he was always playing kind of when we were growing up, and we would always just go to the field with him and um, just be around field hockey from a young age, and and also ice hockey was a big part of our lives. Uh, we have another brother as well, uh, a youngest one, um, and uh, we all played. I want to say for at least ten years each. Um, uh, I think I'm almost at 15 years now playing, and uh, just we were always just together around either whether it's a field hockey pitch or the ice hockey rink. We were all just hanging out together, and uh, yeah, it was a pretty big part of our lives growing up. So Balraj, who did you look up to uh, as a role model when you were a kid? Was it your older brother? Was it your dad? Or was it like Pavel Bure or Marcus Nasland? No, it was definitely both of them. It, uh, it was all. It's really cool just having an older brother who's who's kind of doing the exact same thing you as you playing ice hockey, playing field hockey. So there's always someone there. Um, to look up to and you know he's already been to the Olympics so he knows he knows what it takes and you get to see it every single day so it's probably the easiest thing um, to have is like the easiest thing about being a younger brother um, is having an older brother who's doing almost the exact same thing as what you want to do so what's the hardest thing about being (laughs) a younger brother Um, I don't know I guess the older brother always gets to do things first Uh, he always gets he always gets to try things first he uh, probably gets a little bit more the spotlight but we really we're like the two of us we we don't really care about things like that too much who gets a spotlight um we're more so just like we like to do things together we like to push each other together yeah and speaking of that what was the relationship like as kids i know my brother and i i mean we're probably a little bit further apart than you but uh you know we could butt heads at times was there some of that growing up uh yeah definitely especially uh we used to play a lot of sports in our backyard uh, and just in our cul-de-sac and stuff and just growing up you know like boys will be boys type of thing so it's pretty fun we were lucky to uh definitely like when you're growing up your your siblings are like your your best friends right you're always with them day in day out so it was it's pretty fun 
So what's your earliest memory of field hockey then, Balraj? Uh, Stuki said that, uh, you know, your dad was an influence there. And, and obviously growing up in, in the community that you did, the Indo-Canadian community and in Surrey, it, it was probably a big thing. But what's your earliest memory? My earliest memory would probably be watching. Um, we would usually go down, me and my older brother, or sometimes all three of us, and watch our dad's games out at Livingstone Field uh, when we were really young. And I also precisely remember the very first day that uh, we started playing field hockey together, like for our club team. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty much Livingstone Park. Um, that's where a lot of the games used to be, I'd say about 15 years ago, early 2000s. And uh, that was probably my first memory. You guys being, like I said, from Surrey and part of the Indo-Canadian community, the sport is huge back in India. And, and you know, they were a world powerhouse, you know, in the 60s um, and are still a good team. Uh, do, you, do you feel any sense of responsibility or even, you know, a sense of honor being a part of this rich history of a sport um, coming from where where you do? Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool to um, like I've, I've competed in India a few times now and it's really cool when you get there and and obviously people they know that what my background is. And so it's special when people come up to you and they say things like, oh, it's, you know, it's cool that you, you know, you're born and raised in Canada, you're still able to compete in, in India sport, as they call it over there or whatever. Right. Um, and yeah, and even here, it's, it's obviously really big uh, in the Indo-Canadian community. So it's, it's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing to be able to, uh, to represent, I guess, uh, my community, our community at this level. Yeah, so you're kind of representing, you know, more than one community, the, the Canadian community, and then more specifically, I guess, the, the Indo-Canadian community. Do you think about that at all, Balaraj, or is it, like you said, just sort of a day-to-day on the field type thing? Yeah, I, it's, a really, it's a really humbling thing uh, to be able to represent the communities that we do. It's really hum- humbling, and we're really privileged and honored to be able to do so. Um, we don't really think of it too much. Um, like we're uh, we're really happy that we're able to be we're really happy that we are able to do it but other than that yeah it's more so we don't really think of it too much we're uh we're just focused on other things day to day but uh that being said like it's really special to be able to do it and and around those times when you have those first field hockey memories uh or even first sporting memories whether it's ice hockey or or field hockey what do you want to do when you grow up when you're a kid at that age is it just get on that same field and play where your dad did or do you have bigger dreams of of going to the nhl or representing canada at that time at least? I, I think at that time it's uh you know you don't that's that uh that type of stuff doesn't really even cross your mind you're just uh you just want to have fun you just want to play and you know you see your, your dad or your older brother or whatever doing something and you just want to take along and just yeah kind of hang out with them okay so then when when was the switch for you Suki when did you think uh, I, I want to do something with sport in my life and I want to do it for as long as possible um it's tough to pinpoint an exact time but I think it would have to be uh when I started getting involved with uh with team BC stuff in uh, under 14 under 16 and then really once I first got uh chosen for the uh, under 21 um national squad um and just kind of then I kind of realized uh something that was achievable I definitely would have to put in a lot of work um, but it was something that I, I could I could see for myself and something I wanted to do right and what about you do you, do you have a, a time when that switched yeah it's uh I'd say around the same time I did one year of team BC and then the following year I was lucky enough to get picked to the under 17 team and I was also lucky enough to make the immediate jump to the under 21 team not too long after so it's kind of just uh within that year or so where things kind of really ramped up that I was able to kind of make a decision that this is what I want to do 
did you when you were younger have a chance to play on many teams together probably not right uh we played ice hockey growing up when we were really really young one spring team together high school hockey we played a couple years together but uh, as for field hockey um Blaraj was uh well, luckily he was good enough to always play a few years up so under 14 16 and 18 he was always with me um and then we never did any team bc stuff together and then obviously we went to the junior world cup together which is kind of cool the the jump from bc to junior national stuff happened fairly quickly for the both of you it sounds like and so you make that jump and then you're quickly going to the uh the junior world cup what what was that like i guess you were kind of a veteran on the team suki and then this was a, a first experience for you what was what was the junior world cup your first junior world cup like um, it was pretty cool. It was it was different because it was my first major tournament as well. So we got to kind of share that experience. And, and obviously now a few years later, looking back, um, I'm a bit more used to and accustomed to going away and, and participating in obviously like major tournaments and all that. So it was uh, it was an eye opener just to see kind of what uh, where we could go with this, with this sport. And um, and yeah, kind of just really motivated, I guess, the both of us to keep going and, and try to reach the same t- same type of level at the uh, at the senior level and having that uh, sibling experience and doing that w- probably is is unique but maybe helpful for you because Balraj you were younger three years younger going to uh, a junior world cup in India um, probably your first time traveling with the, the national team too or at least that that far uh, how important was it and how helpful was it to have Suki along there with you yeah it's it's invaluable to have someone like that uh just every day um in the lead up and uh at the tour yourself or at the tour itself because um to have someone who knows you inside out like there's there's nothing more you can really ask for um at such a big tournament at that stage of your life so um you said when you went to that junior world cup it was kind of an eye-opening experience as to what you might be able to uh accomplish in this sport how much did that fuel the fire to to now push even harder after the Junior World Cup for you, Suki? Because that was sort of the near the end of your your under twenty one career, right? Yeah, and it was uh, as much of a good experience it was to uh, to kind of you know be on the world stage. It was really disappointing, obviously, to finish sixteenth. Um, and I just kind of started to get involved with this, the senior team at the time. And so when we came back, we uh, we kind of got right back into trainings and stuff. And it was kind of still. Uh, fresh in my mind you know just the disappointment of you know going to India and kind of yeah not really achieving what we wanted to achieve and so it it really did drive me and push me to to make the the next um the the next senior tours coming up and uh just try to yeah achieve more is that uh, the same thing for you having gone to a recent junior world cup last year and um you know maybe maybe not finishing as high as you want and then having that senior window right around the corner. Did you feel the same in, in that experience in your second junior world cup ball, Reg? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say I felt um, the exact same. The first time around was a little bit different because I still realized that I had quite a ways to go uh, in comparison to the other guys. And I had some more junior stuff to look forward to in between the cycles. But after this last junior world cup, I'd probably say I had a similar feeling um, as Suki did. Is that difficult in in Canada as a field hockey player? I mean, you guys both played ice hockey, and um, in in the ice hockey world in Canada, it's it's win or nothing really when you're playing at a competitive level. But it's different in in field hockey, especially when you're at the junior ranks and you guys are still learning it. And a lot of the time, it's it's the guy's first experience uh, 
internationally at a very big event. And so losing sometimes can almost feel like it's inevitable. Is it difficult to to go through that as an international field hockey player? Or is is it, like you said, is it even more motivating to, to push even harder? Yeah, I mean, in any sport, it's always it's always disappointing when you, you don't finish where you want to. But uh, like you said, it, it definitely does provide more than enough motivation going forward. Um, uh, you never really forget the the sting of losing or or not reaching your goal, so it's something that uh, that drives you when you uh, when you get to the next one. So speaking of motivation, um, Suki was just at the uh, the Olympic Games last summer uh, in Rio, Brazil, uh, and you were there too, Balraj. Uh, but you were you were watching. Um, what's the balance like of being excited and then just really just wanting to be on the field too? Like, how, how did you deal with that? Um. It wasn't that tough. I mean, I was really, really happy for everyone. I was uh, like, obviously, there's nothing more motivating than wanting to get to the Olympics by watching the Olympics yourself. But at the time, I wouldn't say there was no like, there was no hard feelings or anything. I was just really, really happy for everyone and uh, really just trying to support my brother. I really enjoyed it. It was it was an awesome time. And that just that that's what's going to drive me for the next few years is seeing how much fun and uh, like how good of an experience it was for these guys that I want to experience it myself uh, along with my teammates. And what was that experience like, Suki? If you can put it into words, I don't know if you can. Uh, I was uh, it was really special. It's something that's um, it is hard to put into words for sure. It was such a we were there for for quite some time and uh, lots of ups and downs when we were there. But just the overall experience of being in the village and competing on on the, the top spa- stage that you can in our sport uh, against the best players playing at you know at their best was really something that uh, that anyone who plays sport really uh, really wants. That's what you that's what you play for, and it was it was it was uh, yeah really incredible to compete at that level. What uh, what does it mean to you to be called an Olympian now? Now that it's you know uh, almost a year removed, um, it's obviously it's it's a it's a huge honor. It's really special. Um, uh, <laughs> Can't put it into words, right? Yeah. It's a, you're you're in some elite company. Obviously, Balraj, you want to be in that company, and you you've made uh, a jump to the senior level now. You were finishing up the junior cycle. You went to the Junior World Cup last year. Uh, and, and now you've made the, the senior national team and you guys are both members of the senior national team. Is your field hockey career progressing as well as you would have hoped? Are you exactly where you want to be right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely happy right now uh, to make the senior team after the junior cycle. I mean, um, I wouldn't really say like there's any, any time to be content. Like you always want to push yourself to be better all the time. You always want to achieve more. So um, in terms of where I'm at right now, I'm definitely happy, but there's definitely a lot of things that uh, there's a long way to go still until um, until I can achieve some stuff with my teammates that uh, that everyone in sport wants to achieve. Right. And speaking of achievement, uh, there's a chance to qualify for the World Cup coming up uh, in June. Uh, but before that, you guys had to get out of World League round two and you, you did that. That was, uh, again, having a chance to play together, uh, this time at the senior level. And you'd done it before, but um, this is probably, you know, the, the, the biggest tournament you've competed together uh, at a senior level. What was that like? And how do you compare it to, the, you know, maybe one of the first times you, you played for Canada at the, at the Junior World Cup together? What was that experience like uh, for you together? Yeah, it was really cool to play in, a, to play in uh, like you said, a tournament with great significance. Um, obviously, there was a lot on the line, so to kind of get right into it, um, to, you know, it's not like a, your first tour where 
Um, you're just playing some test matches. There's actually significance on the line. There's meaning. If you win, like you you qualify for the next round. If you lose, you don't. So I think it was pretty cool to get a chance to play a meaningful tournament right away. And obviously to do it together is just awesome. So what uh, what are you guys hoping? Obviously qualifying for the 2018 World Cup is is uh, next on on the schedule for, for the men's national team. And, and 2020 Olympics, uh, it, it follows. But... Uh, I may maybe I'm asking more bigger picture. Do you guys talk about um, you know what you could accomplish together as a family, as siblings, and what kind of legacy you might be able to leave on the sport um, as as you know two brothers playing on the on a national level together? Because it's as much as it's not very rare in this sport, it it is kind of unique for uh, elite level sports to have you know brothers, let alone playing at the same level but on the same team. Uh or do brothers not talk that deep? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if we've really thought thought that uh, that far ahead yet. We're just trying to still. Um, uh, I'd say I say I'd say we just take it more so day by day. Just yeah. uh, we do a lot of things together. We almost always go to the gym together. Obviously, the drives to training. So it's more it's more like a day by day, week by week, like a short term thing thing that we obviously like long terms in the that's in the back of everyone's mind but in terms of doing things together it's more so short term day to day like on a weekly basis that we're always uh just looking at maybe i should be asking your parents what what they think about you two doing what you're doing and how proud they are but how proud do you think they are um i'm sure i'm sure they're really proud uh they they both made the trip down uh, along with the rest of our family to uh to rio and that was something uh something special for them of course uh, just to be there and really um, you know, get that experience and share that experience with uh, with me and the rest of the family. Okay, so where the team is at right now, how do you compare it to when you first joined the senior team and now you've gone through uh, qualifying for the Olympics and, and are hoping to do that again? Where is the team right now compared to where it was before? I feel like we're in a good spot. Um, since since I joined the team, we haven't uh, we haven't lost too many guys to retirement and uh, and whatever. Um, so we have uh, a lot of guys that are really familiar with the way we play and have been in the, in our team environment for for quite a few years now. Um, and I feel like we're in a good spot uh, moving moving forward. We, we were obviously really disappointed not to to win first um, first place at uh, World League Two down in Trinidad, but uh, of course qualifying just for World League three was our was our ultimate goal. And we achieved that. So moving forward, I think we are in a good spot. We have a really good group. Um, and we have the potential to uh, to do something special, I think, in the in the next cycle. And you just joining that senior team, Balraj and Brandon Pereira, along with you, having a chance to, like you said, achieve something with with your teammates. How much how, how much do you want to do that? Go to go to London, qualify for the World Cup, and then and help this team grow past maybe a level it, it's never been before. What do you young guys look to bring to that process? I mean, you're both young, but younger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes, I guess, when you uh, like people say when young guys come into the team, it can, it can kind of just push the group a little bit. Um, it can in, it can be a little bit of an injection. But I I agree with my brother. I'd say the team's definitely in a good spot moving forward. Um, obviously, in in sport, you want to accomplish big things. That's why we play on the international level as a team. We want to accomplish things. We don't just go there to play just to say that we played. We actually want to go there and uh, do things we want to win meaningful games so I think uh, coming into the team I, I agree like the team um, you can tell that the team's in a good position like the feeling is good going into such a, a meaningful tournament moving forward so it's really easy just to kind of get into things moving forward okay well 
Thank you guys for being the first guests on the podcast. Thank you, Shane. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Field hockey is very much a family sport in this country. It lives within families for generations. We see it in the Panazars, but they're not the first and they won't be the last either. Of course, we've got the Wright family, which has had a long history in field hockey in this country and at the highest levels, and the Short brothers uh, represented Canada for a long time. There's also the Jameson family that has had uh, a long and successful history in the sport of field hockey with Mom Sue being the pioneer there, David playing uh, on the men's side, and Steph Jameson up until recently the leading cap getter for the women's national program. She's actually tied now with Kate Wright, Funny how that works. Kate Wright, uh, who married into the Wright family of hockey. So, you know, it's a very much a family game. And currently, in addition to the Panazars, the national programs feature the Woodcroft sisters, Amanda and Nikki, on the women's side, Ian and John Smythe on the men's side, and siblings Gordon Johnson and Shanley Johnson on both sides of the line. And, of course, we'll keep an eye on all of them moving forward. That does it for today's show. But before we go, we'll mention what's ahead and what to look out for in the next month. Most pressing is the men's national team going to name its World League semifinal roster of 18 men next week. The announcement likely to come Tuesday or Wednesday, May 16th or 17th, and that's the team that will be vying for World Cup qualification, like we said. The Vancouver Rowing Club Jokers Field Hockey Club, that's a mouthful, commonly known as the Jokers, they're hosting a Just Because party on June 17th, and they're hosting it, of course, just because they want to bring the field hockey community together. Shouldn't need a reason for people getting together, but they have created a reason for the hockey community in Vancouver and beyond to come together. Tickets are $15. There will be drinks but no food, and it's at the Vancouver Rowing Club in Stanley Park. The link for tickets is in the show notes and also in uh, all over the place, actually, at fieldhockey.ca on the Jokers website and all over social media. So get your tickets while they're still available. And finally, the Field Hockey Canada National Championships, the 2017 National Championships are coming up and right around the corner. They are in July, and this year we have three divisions, the under-15, under-18, and under-23 divisions, all to be held in Surrey, British Columbia. The U15 boys and girls from July 18th to 22nd, the U18 men and women from July 20 to 25, and the U23 men and women from the 21st to the 25th. And if you've ever been to Surrey's Tamanawis Field, you know that's an awesome facility. Uh, the men's national team played some Olympic send-off matches there last year before the Games. Uh, and it's just a great facility, and it, it should be an awesome, awesome national championship back-to-back-to-back in Surrey this year. Teams and officials are being finalized right now, and more info on the tournament is to come. So that's our show today. Before we go, once again, I'm going to mention the links, fieldhockey.ca. That's where you can get the show notes for this show. Everything we mentioned is linked in that post. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at fieldhockeycan, Instagram, at fieldhockeycan, on Facebook, search Field Hockey Canada. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about the show, please feel free to email us at communications at fieldhockey.ca with the subject podcast. Thanks for listening.